Outside the Tank is not affiliated with Shark Tank. Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm Joe. How excited are you to talk about this? Well, it's this is a great product. These are two great guys, and this is a great product near and dear to my heart. Uh, products that make you fat and make your tummy happy. We're here to talk about <laughs> Fat Shack. Kevin and Tom, uh, Season 10, Episode 23, May 12, 2019. And these concoctions that these guys put together, these Fat Shack sandwiches, we haven't had one because we don't have one in Arizona. We're looking forward to trying it, though. They look absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, at, at stupid, stupid sandwiches stacked high. If we went there for lunch, <laughs> we'd be napping in these two chairs here when we come back. Yeah, this would be more of like a nights or a weekend thing, right? Carbon protein coma for sure. Oh, my God. They look incredible. They bootstrap. They started the whole business. Phenomenal success story. You'll hear all about it. But they started the whole business for less than $5,000. Yep. So they go into Shark Tank asking $250,000 for 7.5% of the business. And here in my notes as we watch the pitch, huge, unhealthy sandwiches. (laughs) That was my descriptor. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with having an unhealthy sandwich every once in a while. You know, I think sometimes when guys like that go on Shark Tank, it's like, oh, you know, you're 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 harming people. It should be everything should be healthy and organic and yeah. plant based, and it's okay to have a lousy. Yeah, you, you, know, you can't eat at Fat Jack three times a day. They don't even recommend that. <laughs> so, but they they uh, they commandeered uh, a bagel shop uh, from. I think they went in at 4 p.m. and said, "Can we uh, sublease your your kitchen?" Uh, ghost kitchen from 4 p.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning, and we're going to plan to deliver food to uh, hungry uh, college students. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, no, it's a, it's a great story. You're going to hear all about it. Um, this was back in February of 2010 that they you know, founded the company and got started. Yeah. Um, at the time of airing, 11 locations, nine were franchises, uh, $22 million in sales to date, uh, they were charging an $18,000 franchise fee and asking for a 6% royalty from their franchisees. Uh, they were making forty dollars to $45,000 on average um, per store in royalties from these franchisees. Um, and the cost to build out one of these stores is about seventy-five dollars to $100,000 to get one up and running. So that's the business. Did they get an offer? They had some offers on the table. Mr. Wonderful and Damon uh, offered. Robert and Lori both went out. But the most unlikely guy, the guy that is uh, known to be a health food uh, fanatic, uh, was the man who made the offer who got the deal, Mark Cuban. And uh, he offered 250000 but for 15% of the company. Okay, so they got a deal. So they got a deal. (laughs) All right, well... 
This was a fun interview. These guys are great. Oh, love them. Great story. Ton of great takeaways. So enjoy the interview. We'll see you on the back end for the post game. All right, we're here with Kevin and Tom of Fat Shack. And Joe, we made a uh, huge mistake. We scheduled this right before lunch. Mm. <laughs> I'm starving. I'm <laughs> starving. And we we watched a- the pitch and, we, and we're talking to you guys for a half hour. I want, a, I want a triple stack right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we appreciate you coming on the show. And, you know, start us off with where the idea for the business came from. Really want to hear, you know, the longer version than, than obviously the one we got on uh, Shark Tank. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, so Kevin and I, we're both from Jersey original. We've got the Fat Shack based out of Colorado now, but you know, this is a Jersey thing, piling French fries, chicken fingers, mozzarella sticks, all that stuff on a sandwich. Uh, it, it's straight out of Jersey. So, so Kevin and I, we both, uh, were friends at a school. It's called the college of New Jersey outside of Trenton in, uh, in Ewing, New Jersey. So that's where we both went to school. And, um, you know, throughout those years, you're out, you're partying, you know, you're going all night and you're looking for something to eat at two in the morning. And, you know, at our school, there wasn't a whole ton of options in terms of late night food. So realistically, you know, it might, might be two in the morning. There's one guy that served cold pizzas and then some wing place that you order it. You never, you never know who's going to show up. You know, the driver, you know, might just eat the food himself. You never knew what was going to happen. So there really wasn't a whole ton of late night options. Um, and where we went to school, you know, we were about, we were about 45 minutes or so from Rutgers. So once in a while, you know, you'd go over and party at Rutgers University and they had these things there called the grease trucks where you would go, you know, be a line around the block, uh, just a food truck in a parking lot. And they served some of these things called fat sandwiches, you know, again, French fries, chicken fingers, all that stuff on the menu. So it truly is a Jersey thing. You know, you could get one at a diner, you could get one at these grease trucks at Rutgers, um, but there was nobody doing it, you know, in that quick service, like takeout delivery um, type mode, like, like we do at the Fat Shack now. So my whole thing um, was after graduating college, you know, I knew that we had this gap inside of our, you know, inside of our market there in Ewing, New Jersey. Um, I had never worked in a restaurant before. I had had um, a couple buddies of mine that from my hometown originally, um, you know, after one summer, it was junior year of college. So after the summer of junior year, um, we were supposed to be getting jobs. You know, at that point, you're a business major. You're supposed to be getting an internship. You're supposed to be figuring out, hey, what am I going to do when I graduate? I'm supposed to get a real job. Um, so a couple of us sat around and figured out, you know what? Like, we don't want to get jobs. Let's kind of do our own thing. So um, my buddy's dad owned a local deli. And he allowed us to come in and just go Thursday, Friday, Saturday night and run, you know, like kind of our late night concept out of this. And my friend taught me how to work the kitchen. He had grown up doing it. And it was the first time I had really learn that stuff. So we did that over the summer. And, you know, this is again, back in my hometown, not near college, So I'd done that over the summer. And then we did it for about a year together. And at that point we all kind of decided to go our separate ways. Um, But I knew that there was that, that opening in that market down at the school that Kevin and I went to, like I said, you know, we could get wings or cold pizza and that was it. So my whole thing was, I was going to, you know, take the idea of a late night restaurant and bring it down to you in New Jersey where we went to college. Um, so after I graduated, I, I set out and I looked for a restaurant space. I'm going around getting bids from contractors. They're coming back 150,000, 200,000. And I'm just thinking, oh, geez, you know, like I, I played online poker in college. That's how I made my money. And I did well, but I didn't do $150,000 well, you know. Um, so, so I'm going around trying to figure this out. And it's probably about six months now after I graduated. And I'm feeling like, I mean, I'm never going to get this going. So I kind of had that whole idea from, you know, my buddies back home 
hey, if his dad was going to let us work out of his shop, maybe there's somebody down here in my college town that'll do the same thing. So at that point, I started going around and talking to people. And, uh, you know, I found a local bagel shop where, you know, me and the owner kind of hit it off right away. I told him my concept. And he loved the idea of being able to make some money out of his space during the hours that he wasn't open. So he would run from, you know, 6 a.m. until 3 p.m. And I'd come in, I'd run from 6 p.m. until about four in the morning. And we'd split the rent, you know, figured all that stuff out. And, you know, so I was able to literally get the fat check going in this bagel shop for less than $5,000. And, uh, and I opened it in about two or three weeks time from the, you know, from the first time I made the deal with the guy. So that's kind of the backstory of getting it all going right off the bat. Brilliant, resourceful. So you guys would run till four in the morning and then uh, haul your ass uh, to bed, get some sleep. <laughs> yep, exactly. Wake up late and do it all again. And that was the downside too. This, this bagel shop was only 900 square feet. So um, I actually ended up having box freezers in my garage. So I'd get a, you know, I, I had to find some small local delivery guy that would actually deliver because the big guys like Cisco and, you know, other companies, they wouldn't put an 18 wheeler down a residential side street and <laughs> deliver to my garage. <laughs> so I'd wake up and have some guy hauling cases of chicken fingers and French fries and bread and all that stuff into my college house garage, loaded up into the box freezers. And then six o'clock came around, I'd put it in the back of my car, drive over what I needed for the day and, you know, and go rip some sandwiches at night. <laughs> the first, the first uh, prototype at the bagel shop, how long was it before uh, you guys knew it was going to work? Was it uh, immediate? Was it a slow build? So honestly, you know, I was in a fraternity on campus. That's how Kevin and I became friends. You know, we pledged together. And so, you know, I had a lot of connections locally in that campus. Um, you know, back then, it was a lot of paper menus and Facebook. So I went around to every dorm. I handed out paper menus underneath the door. I started a Facebook group, had a couple thousand people in it. And our grand opening night, we ended up doing about $2,300 or $2,400 in sales, um, all delivery to the campus. You know, it was just, it was me with a couple fraternity brothers that I trained like the night before. that had no idea what they were doing, just running around <laughs> like crazy. So it was almost instantaneous that I knew like, wow, this is going to take off. Like, this is a crazy business. And I just thought to myself, what did I do? Like, I'm going to be stuck in this bagel shop the rest of my life making sandwiches because nobody knows what they're doing, you know? So, so yeah, it was almost, it was almost right away, you know, that I, that I knew I was onto something and that it was going to take off. Yeah. People wanted unhealthy food later at night when they were a little buzzed. <laughs> That's what I, I say. Our food is good at all hours of the day, but if it's two in the morning and you had a fun night, it is the best thing you will ever eat. Yeah. And that was the crazy thing about the very beginning is because in Ewing, you know, there wasn't a full fat jack restaurant. We had just operated out of the bagel shop. So I would say what 90% of our customers had no idea where we were. They just knew if they called this phone number in the middle of the night, <laughs> they'd get some awesome food delivered. You guys yeah. were like a cloud kitchen before <laughs> they exist. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because we actually do run a couple cloud kitchens too. Yeah. We joke around saying, you know, we were the original ghost kitchen, the original cloud kitchen. People yeah. just call, they get greasy food delivered to the door. They had no idea where it was coming from. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then how, so then how did you take it from that to something that ended up in Colorado and, and became like a brick and mortar? Yeah. So, you know, I was running out of the bagel shop. Things are going well. Um, you know, I was, just kind of fighting my way along, learning business as I did it. And um, I have family out here in Loveland, Colorado, Northern Colorado. And, you know, the school that Kevin and I went to is like four or 5,000 kids. You come up here, Fort Collins, Colorado, where Colorado State is, CSU, 
you're looking more like 30,000 kids. So, you know, my uncle's been doing business out here for a few decades and, you know, he knows the market, knows the area. And he kind of said, hey, you're doing well there. You should come check out Fort Collins. Like you're going to love it. So I made a trip out here, uh, just drove around a little bit, checked out all the students walking around. I said, yeah, this is it. I'm going to move to Colorado and do this thing. So I started looking for spaces, ended up finding an existing restaurant space that was going out of business, you know, worked to deal with them to get them out and get some of their equipment. And, you know, within, within a few months after my first trip out to Colorado, thinking about moving to business here, you know, I had packed up my car and, and drove out here to open this, you know, full brick and mortar. So that was in um, summer of 2011. And, you know, that was the first full fat check. So now at this point, we've got our own space. You know, we're going to start running lunch, dinner, late night, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, right off the bat, it was a huge learning curve going from sharing overhead with somebody, you know, only operating late nights, which was our busiest hours. I just in my head assumed, oh, yeah, we'll do the same business we're doing that day or at night that we're doing. You know, we'll do that in the day moving forward. So I had like three counter girls working and all these kitchen people and all this stuff. And then you come to realize really quickly, you're like, wait a second, I'm only a few weeks in. We're only doing like a hundred dollars during the day. Like I gotta, <laughs> I gotta figure this out or I'm going to keep sleeping in the back of this store and never, never make any money. Um, so, you know, pretty quickly I started making adjustments and, you know, figuring out what I needed to do to run that full brick and mortar. And, you know, this is about the time too, where, you know, Kevin, Kevin had been involved helped me with the insurance on the back end and, you know, him and I were best friends. He was obviously following along. And this is where I started getting into the fact that, Hey, like if I'm going to grow this thing, you know, I, I need somebody with me that's super organized and, you know, can help build this business. So, you know, that's when Kevin and I, you know, just started in the background talking about the fat check and growth and, you know, potentially getting him involved at that point. I'm assuming that initial site that you had in Colorado, I mean, you probably did a lot of the same stuff from a marketing standpoint, right? You hit the dorms, you hit the fraternity houses, started, a, you know, presence on social media. Is that pretty much what you did just in a new location? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was just getting the word out there and getting as many menus as you could. You know, we would go around as we were setting up, we would go around to the bars and, you know, buy drinks for people and hand out menus and you know, tell them that this crazy place is coming and just trying to spread the word organically, you know, so, and then obviously Facebook as well. So then what year, I just want to get our timeline right. What year was that, that you built that initial site in Colorado? So Colorado, the grand opening was August of 2011. Okay. So there were, there were about eight years between that first location and then some of the metrics and growth that you shared on Shark Tank. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, so you, you obviously you grow the thing, you've got some guys from within that you've given different sites to, you've gotten the franchising thing organized. I mean, you were, you know, a pretty nice business by the time you got to Shark Tank. What prompted you to go on the show? How did you end up on there? Yeah, so uh, uh, yeah, I'll start on this one. So, so Shark Tank had, had been a show that Tom and I both had religiously watched, uh, you know, since it probably started. Um, and you know, we'd always love scheming on how, how people up there in front of the sharks would, you know, would would have a great business or they'd lose money and be like, ah, why would they do that? Um, so we've always kind of had it in the background. Always loved the show. Never really, um, you know, never really thought to go on. Never really knew, um, you know, what we would do with an investment at that point because we truly had bootstrapped the whole thing from the beginning. And um, you know, and then we did start to grow. And I think we had about eleven locations, and we were at that point where we realized, you know, hey, if we did have an investment, we've actually got some things we could put it toward and, and actually grow the business further. Um, so we had kind of just started thinking like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe we'll, 
we'll try to um, get on there. And, and then that led us to, what was that, the summertime, Tom, in 2018 or 19 that the... Um, May of 2019. Yeah, 20, yeah we aired yeah. in May of 2019. So this would have been summer of 2018. Yeah, so when, there was a you know, we casting. Started talking about it. Oh. Yeah, because there was the casting call in Denver that Tom had, um, I guess, heard about through his cousin. And he decided to, to go down there and... Um, I was actually back in New Jersey. I wasn't even in town for it, but he went down there and, and I mean, you could tell the story too, just how you chatted with the one producer and, you know, kind of. Yeah. So, yeah. So like Kevin said, you know, my, my cousin reached out and said, Hey, there's this open casting call in Denver. You should check this out. And, you know, it was really, I started thinking about it and then it really was a last minute thing. I think it was a day or two before I called Kevin and said, Hey, there's this thing going on in Denver. I'm thinking about heading down. You know, if, if you think we should do this, I'll go for it. And he's like, well, yeah, I'm out, I'm out in Jersey, but you know, go for it. Like, let's see what happens. So I literally just, uh, rolled down to Denver, um, had fat shack t-shirt on and some menus in hand. And, you know, you wait in this line. I was like, I think 150th, uh, I got there late as usual. If you know me, um, you know, I'm the, I'm the disorganized late one that just kind of goes for stuff. So, so I get, I get there late and uh, I'm like last in line. So waiting around the whole day. You know, my wife came down with me and she's just like, do you want to practice? Do you want to practice your pitch? All this stuff. I'm like, no, no, don't worry about it. Like, I'm just going to go in there and wing it, you know? And she's freaking out. Like, how, how are you not going to practice, you know? So I end up just going in a room. It's, you know, me and a producer. I start talking about the business. He ends up being from the East Coast originally. He's had a fat sandwich before, you know, then he was in LA and there was a place that did fat sandwiches out there. So he kind of knew the concept and we just end up, you know, just kind of BSing for about 15 minutes or so just chatting about the fat shack and my story and all that kind of stuff. And actually the head producer, she was sitting in the back of the room at the time too, just doing some work. So she probably overheard heard some of it as well, which, you know, might've helped us get along, but that's the thing, that whole process, you know, especially the open casting calls, they're very specific with you that, Hey, we appreciate you guys coming out. You will most likely never hear from us again. You know, you've, you've got great businesses, all of you, we don't mean any disrespect five, but just know that, you know, 40 plus thousand people are going to apply and only a hundred or so, you know, are going to actually make it this year. So they just really hype you up to say, yeah, get excited, do whatever, but you'll never, you're never gonna hear from us again. <laughs> but I ended up leaving there feeling pretty good, you know, about the conversation and oh, Kevin, yeah, it went well, like maybe I could have done this differently. This, you know, you always second guess a little bit of stuff. And, you know, they told us we're never hear from again. We'll probably never hear from them again. So I think it was only like three or four days later, we get an yeah, email it's pretty quick. from them. Yeah. Letting us know, you know, that we're moving on to the next round. And then it just kind of cascades from there with paperwork and videos and meetings with producers and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, just kind of turned into this crazy process after that. So you get, you get on the show, uh, from your perspective, how did it go? I mean, how did you feel you came across on TV? How did you feel that the negotiation went? Were you happy with the outcome? Yeah, I would say, I would, yeah, I would say definitely. Um, we, yeah, we had a blast up there. We had a great time, obviously, you know, on TV, you get 10 or 12 minutes of that. And I think, uh, I think we were probably up there maybe for closer to 30 or 40 minutes, but just the entire experience was, was a blast. I mean, there's obviously questions flying at you from, from left and right. And you got to kind of navigate and say, okay, let me, let me address this first. And, and then I'll, then I'll answer your question. Um, but overall it was just high energy. I think the sharks were, um, just interested in the business in general. And, and, you know, so we were happy to be able to dive into a lot of the details and the numbers and stuff, which, you know, we talk about 24 seven. So for us, it was obviously super easy to dive into any question that, you know, they had. Um, yeah, the biggest challenge for us was just probably getting all the food together before 
um, before we went on there because obviously our food, you know, we had to buy these little electric fryers from Amazon to get shipped to the, to the set. And, um, you know, we had like this little weird grill that we had to buy and we, we flew out all of our food from, from Denver, um, from one of our stores out here. And it was, it was crazy. They had just this little kitchenette area for us and we were plugging all this equipment in and the, the breakers were tripping and our, and our, <laughs> our uh, producers were going back to flip the breakers for us and hold it all together. And, you know, we finally, it, it, it really felt like we're, you know, in the, in the fat shack on a Friday night and it was a crazy rush. And then all of a sudden they're, they're micing you up and they're saying, Hey, you guys got to go. <laughs> like, let's get you this know, I, didn't, I didn't think about that, but you guys had, it's a double whammy. You're not just sitting there walking through your paces, you're prepping food. You're yeah. Yeah, like, you're in a fat shack and then yeah. yep. you know, the lights go on, you got to walk out there and pitch. Yeah. yeah. And, and in the end, I think that was actually to our benefit because, you know, if you're, if you're sitting there inside of your head, and you're thinking too much and, oh, my God, what am I going to say if they ask this question? What are we going to do here? Oh, my God, I'm forgetting the history, you know, all this stuff. If you think about it too much, you can almost psych yourself out. You know, in that morning, you know, I don't usually get too nervous about stuff. And that morning, I definitely was a little bit nervous knowing that we were going in the Shark Tank and thinking, thinking in my head a little bit. And then, you know, we get in that little kitchen and they tell us we have 10 minutes to make all this food. All that stuff, all that fear and jitters just kind of flies out the window. And you're just ripping food and making deep fried desserts and sandwiches and all this stuff. And, you know, next thing you know, you're standing there, those doors are opening and you're walking down to go pitch to the sharks. And it just wasn't even thought, you know, at that point, we just flew through the pitch, killed it, you know, got into the whole conversation. Obviously, like Kevin said, it's just second nature for us because we know our business so well. We've been doing it for so many years that, you know, it was almost good for us to just kind of go back to that second nature of, hey, we know we know all this already. Like, we don't have to think about it. Um, and and for us, too, I was happy that that it got so rushed and we had to get that food out. Because one of my biggest concerns was, are the sharks going to like our food? You know, we're a restaurant serving crazy, delicious food, and we're going to go on national TV. And if these sharks say, oh, it's too many calories, it's not worth it, like, yeah, it's, it's all right. You know, that could kind of hurt your brand quite a bit. Whereas, you know, you go out there and these sharks are like, oh, my God, this is amazing. You know, that's a big thing that's going to get people to want to come in and try your restaurant out. So I was happy that we were able to make the food right before going on. And it was super fresh actually getting into the shark's hands. Well, question for you. By the way, I thought you guys did a fantastic job, and it, it, you know, you, you represented yourselves well. You, you had some strong numbers: twenty-two million in sales, uh, eleven stores open. Very impressive stuff. But the first shark to go out, he didn't go completely out, was Cuban, and he went out on the reason that why well, only represent healthy food. I'm just curious how obviously he came back in, and at least on air, we'll ask you about the deal. But at least on air, that's who you accepted an offer from but were you guys disappointed that he went out that quickly and made that statement or did it just roll off your back so so coming into it we um we knew it was a real possibility that mark would not be interested because obviously his portfolio of food companies that even that he's invested in are obviously on the healthier end um but for us i think we just then view it more as a okay well maybe if you know diversify the portfolio a little bit get you know get some unhealthy food in there like this will be yeah. great <laughs> so uh, and that's the thing at, at the fat shack you know we're not we're not recommending that people come eat crazy sandwiches every single day i mean it's more of a cheap meal for people and you know it's just some of the best food you can you can have in, in our opinion and and yeah it, it, even if it's once a month you know that's that's really awesome but yeah that yeah, was and interesting that, and that was yeah that was a big thing for us coming in too is you know, we knew we really wanted to get a deal with the shark. You know, Mark Cuban was our top pick, but we also had in the back of our head that, hey, if we leave here and we don't have a deal, 
we're still going to do our thing. You know, we're still going to build. We weren't like on our last dollar and we're not going to make it with, you know, right. we, we have so much confidence in, you know, confidence in what we're doing and our brand and everything that we kind of came in a little bit looser too, knowing like, Hey, if we can make this happen, great. If we can't, we'll keep pushing forward, you know? So when you hear Mark, who was our number one choice, you know, kind of start going out, you know, it almost just turns into like, all right, well, let's go for it. You know, like, like we immediately just said that line, diversify your portfolio, you know, like, like we're not pushing it every day, you know, just trying to do a little bit of convincing. And, you know, you could see it, even, you know, even live when we were there, it very quickly, you know, I think he just saw a little bit of our personality, a little bit of that grind in us and kind of thought, you know what, well, well, I don't invest in, in unhealthy stuff. I'm going to invest, you know, in these guys potentially. So by pushing that, so we kind of had a little bit of no fear coming into it, which I think helped us instead of like going back on our feet not knowing what to say, you know, we just kind of went for it and just got it back in. So you, you guys do the deal on the, on the show. I'm curious what the, you know, first couple days were like after you aired, did you guys get slammed with franchise requests? Uh, what, what was the impact to the business and how did your life and the business change following Aaron? Yeah, definitely. So that was something that was unique because obviously we knew we didn't have a physical product that would be being sold online. So, you know, we weren't sure, is there going to be a bump at the store level in in the markets that we were in, or or is it going to be a little bit more tame because, you know, people can't just go online and order a t-shirt or whatever it is that we're selling. Um, But it was definitely a pretty wild um, response overall. I mean, we, we were actually in the process of opening a Fat Shack location in Fort Worth, uh, not too far from from um, where Mark lives. And, you know, we we're about a week or so before, uh, you know, grand opening. So we were kind of dealing with this all the while. And then, yeah, once it aired, uh, and I don't know what the time frame, but we had at least uh, 3,000 franchise requests in that first first oh, month, geez. which which was really awesome. You know, especially in the very beginning, you just, you got that shock, like, you know, this is great. And then it sort of dawns on you, like, oh man, like, we got a lot of, <laughs> we got to respond to all these. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, overall it was, it was really cool to see. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, it was nuts right off the bat because, you know, like you guys have heard, heard from other people, I'm sure you're interviewing, you know, there's obviously a waiting period from the time you film to the time that you actually air, you know, so for us, it really was business as usual in that, you know, weird purgatory period where, Hey, we know we're on Shark Tank. We're not allowed to tell a single soul we're, we're going to be on Shark Tank. Are we going to air? Who knows what's going to happen? So, you know, in that time frame, we had opened, I think, two more locations after we even filmed. And then we had this third one coming in Fort Worth. And, you know, the timing of it, you know, we had no idea when we we're going to air. And the timing of it is, you know, we're about a week out from a grand opening in Fort Worth, Texas. And then we air on the Shark Tank, you know, that, that week before. So it was just kind of like all hitting at once. Um, so it really was, hey, we watched, we watched the airing. We had a party and you know, everybody was excited. And the next day, you know, we're in the office dealing with all these emails and figuring out how we're going to get the store open and, you know, just dealing with, with business as usual at that point, but with a huge spotlight and people wanting to do interviews and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, it was kind of crazy having all this stuff hitting you from the Shark Tank angle. But I think it was probably three days after we aired or so, I was down in Fort Worth, Texas, you know, putting together a point of sale system and hooking up a fryer and, you know, getting ready to serve uh, food to this grand opening. So, you know, you can enjoy it for a minute, but it really is, it, it almost just made our lives crazier and worse, you know, for, the, <laughs> yeah. for those couple of weeks. Yeah. 3,000 inbound requests, that's a, that it sounds good to most people, but I look oh, at yeah. that as possibly a big burden or distraction. Yeah, so what did oh, you yeah. do? What did you do with all of them? Well, some of them took us a minute to get back to, that's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, at this point, we did have a team of, 
I don't know, including Kevin and I, maybe five or six guys corporately yeah. at that point working for us. So, you know, we started kind of dividing and conquering and reading through the franchise requests and, you know, putting them into different sections in our emails of, you know, the top versus the middle versus people that just filled it out with some sort of BS in there and not actually serious about opening a fat check and just kind of assaulted it and, you know, came, came, came up with, you know, uh, a generic response that we could send out to everybody, just letting them know that we've got it and we're reviewing it. And, you know, cause we didn't want to lose all these people, obviously. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we just kind of split it all up and attacked it as best we could again, while we're also de dealing with this door opening, you know, I remember being in the back in the kitchen, getting ready and doing construction stuff and then popping back up front and sitting on my computer for an hour and reading emails and then going back in the kitchen and then back on the computer, just kind of, you know, bouncing it around. But yeah, we were lucky that we had, you know, had our core group of core team members, you know, there to help us knock all that stuff out. So then what, you know, what's the business look like now? What, what transpired over these past two years in terms of your growth and, and your scaling of the business? Uh, yeah, for sure. So, so today, as, as we speak now, we have a total of 22 locations that are operating. Um, and we've got five or six actually under development right now that'll, that are set to open basically by the end of this summer. Um, so, you know, by the end of this year, we'll probably be up to 30 uh, or so locations. Um, we've worked with uh, a few now of, of those initial franchisees that had reached out after seeing us on on the Shark Tank. You know, we've historically been extremely selective with who, who we want to work with as franchisees. You know, it's no secret that the restaurant business is, is very difficult and it takes a special person, um, you know, to make it successful. And we believe that, you know, the operator is the number one determinant of success with our location. So we're extremely, you know, oftentimes we try to scare people away. Like just, are you sure <laughs> you want to get involved in this? Cause it might require you coming in at three in the morning to fix some problem going on because there's nobody else. And you're the person that, that needs to be responsible for it. So yeah, we've kept and maintained, uh, you know, the selection process that, that we've had since the beginning. Um, but with obviously a bunch more people now that know about us and that are interested. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're in growth mode for sure. Opening new locations. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and just to touch on what Kevin was saying there too, you know, that is really important to us is finding the right people and finding someone that's going to fit into the fat shack and, you know, understands that it's a ton of work getting into these restaurants. You know, unfortunately you see a lot of restaurant concepts just go out and sell, 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 and, you know, try to open as many franchises as they can and collect that franchise fee. But then cool. You got up to 80 locations but then they're back down to 20 a few years, a few years later, you know, for us, it's really that stable long-term growth is what we're looking for. So while it was awesome that we had, you know, those few thousand franchise requests, you know, again, like Kevin said, we were scaring a lot of them away right off the bat, letting them know like, Hey, this isn't something we're just going to let you throw money at. Like we're looking for owner operators. We're looking for people that are going to care about the brand, you know, care about their business and be in there to make, make it successful. So we've gotten a really great handful of people, from those ones, um, you know, we could have probably sold a million dollars worth of franchise fees, you know, in that first month, right after we aired. But again, we came in knowing like, this is who we are. This is how we want to build this company. You know, we're not going to change that. So, you know, here we are, yeah, we have 30 locations in the next several months and, you know, we're keep going 50, hundred from there, but, you know, we're doing it the right way in our minds, you know, and trying to find the right people to make sure that they're going to be successful, you know, which in turn makes our brand successful. So that's the, that's the plan then as you look at the, the future. I mean, it's just to grow slow and steady with 
the right people, owner operators in the right locations, and you want them all to be successful. And that's more important than just canvassing the market and trying to sell, you know, a quick 500 franchises that will struggle to be successful long-term. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. I'd, I'd rather have 50 successful restaurants than 150 restaurants, but know that 50 of them are floundering and struggling, you know, and maybe going to go out of business and, and not be able to, you know, make their rent or, you know, cause, cause that's the thing too, is, you know, we're franchising with the heart here. Sometimes we joke about, you know, a lot of these franchising companies, again, just sell, 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 you know, we want to try to make sure that people are going to be successful and that we can, you know, get them into something that is going to work with them and their lives. And it's going to be a good thing for them long-term. So tell us about your partnership. You know, how, how does the, the work get divided? Where are your areas of expertise? And then why do you think that your partnership works so well? Yeah, I mean, if you go all the way back to college when Kevin and I were just, uh, were just fraternity brothers, you know, we were in similar business classes a lot of times. Um, again, I'm playing online poker. Kevin's the organized guy showing up to class on time early, doing all the work, you know, putting in the <laughs> hours that, that you're supposed to put in in college. Um, you know, this goes back all the way to then in class. I, I never had a resume. You know, I never had a job, never had a resume. So I had to submit a resume for this one business class. I mean, I literally just took Kevin's resume and put my name on top of it, <laughs> and submitted it, you know, with all his sales accolades and all that. I didn't care. You know, I need it for this project. I'll do that. You know, we're doing a group, a group thing together and I've got a big online poker tournament coming up. Hey, Kevin, here's 20 bucks. You finish the writing part of it. I'll see you in class. You know, we'll kill the presentation together. No sweat, but I got to go play this tournament real quick. You know, yeah, and, so, for me, so, <laughs> and for me, that was an easy 20 because I knew I'd be doing it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it just, it just worked out really well from the beginning, you know, and again, like I said, when I first got out to Colorado and, and my thing was always, I wanted to build a franchising company. You know, I'd started the shack in that bagel shop. I'm, you know, reading books on Ray Kroc and Wendy's and In-N-Out Burger and all these things. And my thing was, you know, I'd never been in a restaurant. So yeah, I love making the food and love making customers happy, but I wanted to build a system. Um, but, you know, I had no business plan. I had none of the organization. I didn't even think about the risks before I moved to Colorado. I just said, you know, whatever, I'll go out there and, and I'll grind my butt off and I'll make it work. You know, that's always been my mentality. But I knew that if we're going to take this thing to the next level, you've got to have somebody kind of dotting those I's and crossing those T's in the background to make sure that stuff's going well. You know, and that's, and that's why Kevin got, got involved. And, you know, it's just worked out well for us because we have such, you know, differing strengths and differing, you know, different things that make us happy inside of the business. You know, like even right now, our Fort Collins store, you know, our general manager um, had moved on. He moved to a different state to pursue a different opportunity. So, you know, rather than just hiring somebody right off the bat and putting the wrong person in there, I'm back in, in my original Fort Collins store working Friday nights again, you know, those late night shifts after doing all my other stuff just because, you know, I'm not afraid to get back in there and, and mop a floor at three to four in the morning, you know, and take that mentality to make sure that my original store, you know, is going to keep running successfully. So, yeah, you know, that, it's good to then have that, everybody else in the background doing the other stuff. That's a very, very unique entrepreneurial mentality. We do what needs to be done. We roll up our sleeves and a lot of people don't get that. Uh, I'm curious, what can you share about the deal with Mark Cuban and his team and how that partnership has evolved? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, working with Mark so far has, has been awesome. Um, you know, he's obviously has a huge team of people that have, um, you know, strengths and pretty much anything you would need help with. Um, we communicate with Mark, you know, on a weekly basis over email um, and he'll fire back quick, you know, sometimes five or 10 minutes, he'll, he'll get back to you. Uh, but it's, it's been really awesome so far. I think, I think the biggest, um, 
uh, the biggest advantage we've had uh, with it, just starting from after we aired, is you just get that air of, uh, of legitimacy where, you know, people that are interested in potentially franchising with you, you, you know, kind of look at it and say, well, you know, Mark Cuban and his team obviously had to have done due diligence on these guys, and this must be a legitimate franchise system. And so it just it just breathes that confidence on people that are looking to potentially invest in the, and to start a career as a fat check owner. Um, so the conversations have become a lot easier. Um, and, you know, those people have that extra confidence um, than just, you know, some random franchise system that they maybe just discovered on their own or somewhere else. So that that's yeah, definitely been huge for us. Yeah, and the deal with Mark went down exactly as you guys saw it on TV. You know, the 250000 for 15%, that's exactly how it went down. As I'm sure everybody's aware, you know, sometimes those deals fall through or, you know, entrepreneurs change their mind. They have, you know, seller's remorse. They don't want to give up that much of their company. You know, the way we've always done business from the beginning was if we say we're going to do something, you know, we're going to do it. So even if I had begrudgingly given away 25% of the company, you know, like I still would have stuck to it. You know, Kevin and I came in knowing that we weren't going to go above 15 and we only wanted to go there if it was with Mark. So, you know, we had that plan coming in. So everything went through, you know, exactly, exactly as you guys saw. So he owns 15% of the company. And, you know, it has been an awesome experience having someone like Mark Cuban, you know, be in your team in the background. Like Kevin said, it kind of brings that confidence with the brand. You know, landlords are like, oh, wait, I'm going to do a deal with Mark Cuban's company. Like, this is really cool. Let's get Fat Shack in there. <laughs> um, you know, and that's, a, and that's a huge difference from back when we were 24, 25 years old. And landlords were like, who are these guys, you know, trying to sign on for this 10-year lease in my building? You know, why am I going to give this to some There was kid? a uh, personal guarantee and firstborn required. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just cool. You know, we, we are very autonomous. We like doing our thing. And that's, and that's been a great part about this partnership with Mark. Is that, you know, he believes in us, has confidence in what we're doing. You know, he's not micromanaging us. We don't have to go, you know, ask him permission to do, you know, all these moves that we're making. Um, so realistically, it's a good partnership for us because we still feel like we can do what we need to do. But we've got Mark in the background there, you know, that we can lean on if we need a little bit of help with something. And, you know, it truly is him responding to everything himself. You know, like Kevin said, he's got a team and everything, but we hit Mark up. He's hitting us back sometimes in like five minutes. You know, I don't know how he handles all those emails because he literally hits us back immediately. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just been really cool knowing that we've got that there, but also knowing that, you know, we can still do our own thing and build this company the way that we see fit and the way that, you know, we want to build it. Well, I'm curious, you guys, you know, both in this conversation as well as on TV, it's just clear that you have a lot of passion for the business. Like you just love this. So I'm curious, what, what about the business? What about running it? gives each of you so much energy and passion? Uh, I'll jump in first. Um, I mean, for me, it's always been, you know, I knew I didn't want to work for anybody else. You know, I never had a job. Like I said, played poker, you know, did these things to make money because I knew I didn't want to work for somebody else. So, you know, the entrepreneurial side of it to me has always been the most exciting thing. Just knowing that what I put into it I'm going to get back out of it for myself. And, you know, I didn't care if I was sleeping in the store and not making any money. You know, as long as I was making customers happy, serving good food, and knowing that I was building that, that future for myself and for the company. You know, that was really what drove me in the beginning. And then to be able to grow and find employees that, you know, we didn't really get into this too much, but a lot of our franchisees started off as kitchen workers and delivery drivers for us. You know, that was a big thing having these guys, you know, a lot of them started working with me when I was in the store hundred hours a week, you know, right underneath me in the kitchen, you know, training and learning right from me. So to be able to take some of these guys that are 21, 22 years old, that 
literally have no collateral, you know, no financing, and for us to figure out ways to get them into their own business and be coaching them on how to do their own thing, you know, that kind of then helped me take my passion for the entrepreneurial side of it that drove me and then, you know, drives me even further to then show other people kind of that mentality and get them into their own business to be able to do the same thing, you know, that I did for themselves though. Yeah, Tom nailed it there. The entrepreneurial side of it is definitely, I think, what drives us the most. Obviously, serving crazy sandwiches that people love in the middle of the night is cool and fun. But um, yeah, being able to mentor these younger individuals in many cases and being becoming, you know, business owners themselves, because a lot of it, you know, there's there's no real crazy secret. You know, it's not like you have to have some certain formula. You just got to you got to work like crazy, you know, and you just got to do it and you got to put in the effort. And, and that's what separates for us, those, those business owners that are truly successful. So we could teach you how to do payroll and accounting and, and, you know, place food orders and do all the stuff that you'll need to do. You know, that's all easy, but you can't, you can't teach that work ethic. And so that's what makes us excited is to find those people that have it and then grow and develop them into their own uh, entrepreneurs. And what does it do for the culture of the organization when, people know that there is a really significant upside and, and future path if they want that. Yeah, that's helped us a ton, I think, uh, separate us from other restaurant concepts. Because a lot of times you'll, you'll get a, you know, an entry-level kitchen job and maybe you'll become a shift manager, maybe you'll become a store manager, but really there's not much um, you know, vertical movement from there. But with us, it's always been, hey, it, you know, you work your butt off and you could actually own your own fat check. You can own multiple fat checks. You know, it's just got to, it just takes that work. Um, and obviously, um, you know, that's helped us big time. Some of the people that had started working for Tom and Fort Collins in the very beginning, they own their own stores. Now they work for us corporately now, and they've you know been with us for eight, 10 years. Um, I think that definitely has helped us um, a lot over the years, having that mentality and having those people know, like the owner might come in here and work for eight hours. Like, you know, and not even bad an eye, you know. What advice do you guys have for the entrepreneurs that are listening to this? You guys have obviously been through a ton. You've opened up all these locations. You've worked with all these franchisees. You've been on Shark Tank. I mean, as you look back at, you know, the past decade or so, what are some key things that, that you've learned that have really served you guys well? Yeah, I was going to ask that. Um, yeah. Yeah, realistically, Kevin touched on it a little bit, you know, that work ethic and that grind, like you've got to come in with your eyes wide open, understanding that it is going to take a lot of effort and a lot of work. And, you know, just be ready to do that. Be ready to make sacrifices, you know, be ready to to skip that wedding weekend because, you know, your manager quit on you last minute or you got to run in there. Um, if you're willing to do whatever it takes to be successful, then, you know, I truly believe that there's not a lot that can hold people back if they have that mentality. Um, and then for me, you know, positivity has been a huge thing. There's so much stuff that can go wrong when you're starting to grow your own business and build your own company. But for us, I've never really looked at it like, oh my God, I'm so unlucky. I can't believe this fridge broke down. I can't believe this person left us. I can't believe this thing happened. You know, it's just always like, all right, well, that's just something else I got to deal with. You know, like you, you just got to figure out how to move past it and keep going. Like I've made mistakes. I've made bad deals. We've done all sorts of stuff but none of that ever weighs me down. You know, I don't look back on that and wish I had done something differently. I just think, what can I do differently the next time around? What can I learn from that? And just keep pushing forward. So if you have that positive mentality and you're willing to do whatever it takes, there's really not a whole lot that can drag you down and, you know, make your business not successful. 
what I what I like about what you said is that uh, typically someone could come in and they're going to be uh, flipping a hamburger, throwing some uh, potatoes in the fryer. Uh, <laughs> but all of a sudden, with Fat Jack and with your purpose and with your why, that same person could start dreaming about being an entrepreneur, and you guys are going to be there to coach him. So kudos to you because what a great purpose, what a great reason for Kevin and Tom to wake up in the morning and do the work that you're doing. I just love that. Thank you very much. I always say we're not saving the world yeah. serving fried food on a sandwich or anything, but you know, if we can help people and get them in their own businesses, you know, then that, that feels more like we're making the difference. Now, if you talk to some of our customers who are super hungover or, you know, now late <laughs> two in the morning, they may tell you we are saving the world <laughs> them that, that night. But, you know, it definitely helps us. It keeps us motivated knowing that we're doing more than, you know, just serving sandwiches, obviously. Well, you might be saving a few lives by getting some food in their stomach. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, where where can people find you on social media? And then if someone really legitimately is interested in being a franchise uh, E of yours, where can they go? Okay. For sure. Yeah. We, uh, so as far as social media goes, obviously all the major platforms, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter at fat shack. I think Twitter is at fat underscore shack. Um, and our website too is a great uh, place to go. Um, and we've got, if you are interested in becoming a franchisee, we have a franchisee um, tab that you can go to, and then it'll ask you for a ton of uh, information that will then get forwarded on to us. Um, and then from there, we basically start the conversation um, to see if it might be a good fit for uh, for you to become a franchisee. Yeah. And if you heard us on here and you, you know, go on to the fatcheck.com website and fill out one of those forms, make sure you put in the notes that you heard us on the, the podcast and you know, you're interested that way we pay a little extra careful attention to your, uh, your oh, yeah. application there. That's awesome. Well, you, you guys, uh, you know, I mean, we love the business. Can't wait to, to find a city and, and try it out. Um, but more importantly, you're just, really, oh, I'm driving to Fort Collins. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> with, with your dietary habits, you know, I mean, you this, would. Is, this is perfect. I, if there was one down the street from our office, he'd be there every day at noon. He'd be well, knocking you, you on the window. Collins, you, you come to Fort Collins, you might catch me. I might make your sandwich personally. You never know. Beautiful. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Love to, love to be in person at some point, but seriously, you guys, you're awesome people. Uh, you're, you're doing some really cool things for the you know, your franchisees and, and creating a lot of opportunities and love the story, love what you're doing. Can't wait to continue to follow the journey. So Kevin and Tom, thank you so much, guys. Yeah. Thank you for having us too. We really, yeah, really appreciate it. it, guys. All right. We're back. Kevin and Tom were awesome. We promised you they'd be great. And it was just an awesome interview from those guys. Absolutely. We, uh, we have some nuggets I'm going to go first. I'm not even well, going yeah, to why don't you, If you don't mind, why don't you go first this week? Maybe we should have your dog Capri go first. <laughs> We're still wearing the bad t-shirts. Yeah. We can't get out of them. We'll be wearing them next uh, week, too. I have just three or four things. First and foremost, these guys impress me as being absolutely fearless, which we love. Uh, you can't be an entrepreneur. You can't go through this day that some days are better than others. You know that if you're a hardcore entrepreneur that's listening to this podcast. And in any given day, you could, you could feel like you're on a high-speed roller coaster. But they are absolutely fearless. They went after this um, with not a reckless abandon, uh, but with a great deal of confidence that, that they were onto something, which leads me to my second point. They spotted, they were very, very adept at spotting a little hole 
in the uh, fast food market. Yep. Uh, where can you get a fat sandwich and a stupid, sick, wonderful fat sandwich at one in the morning? Fat chat. <laughs> so they spot a hole in the market. Important to do. And um, a couple other things. Uh, they, they are very, very interested in growth, very growth conscious, but very interested in quality growth. They really look at their franchisees. They really do a good job at making sure that those stores look and act and emulate everything that the pilot store protocols uh, suggest. So they're all about growth, but strong quality growth. And uh, the other thing that I love about these guys is uh, they're ready to do the work and they know how to do the work. I love people who have been in the trenches. I love entrepreneurs who are not posers or imposters. They can roll up their sleeves and do almost anything in the business. So they're ready to roll up their sleeves at any time, walk into the kitchen, in any kitchen, in any of their stores, and prepare a sandwich. Be ready to do the work. Well, and Joe would have had more notes, but the entire interview, he kept having a white drool off his face <laughs> as they were describing these sandwiches. Big smile on his face and his drool coming out of both cheeks. Can't, can't wait till they open a fat shack here in the Phoenix Valley. <laughs> Maybe you could get like a green job gonna, or something. You know what? I'm going to buy a franchise. Kevin and Tom, call us. I'm ready to stroke a check. <laughs> All right, so I got a couple other great notes, by the way. The, I mean, the, these are guys you can really learn from. Oh. I mean, just at low, well, I'm not, I'm, Joe, I'm, I'm not in the restaurant industry. What could I learn from these guys? Yeah. Had nothing to do with the restaurant right. industry. They chose something they kicked ass at. These guys can do a lot of things. Um, and there's so many great things to learn. So I love the idea, you mentioned this on the front end, but finding the spot to sell these sandwiches out of rather than, oh, we've got to build a new building. Oh, we need brand new equipment. Oh, we need to sign a five-year lease. Just figure out a way to make it work. Nobody cares about it. They just want a good sandwich at, you know, two o'clock in the morning. Um, another, God, this was, this was a big one. So I wrote down, find something you know how to market. I mean, these guys happen to know how to market that product to that audience. They figured it out. Yep. Okay? And I think so often we start a business and we think we're smarter than our customers. Or we think that, you know, we just run a bunch of paid digital ads and we'll find customers. And, I, you know, you got to really understand your customer. Who are they? Where are they? How do you reach them? How do you market to them? How do you speak their language? Where do you find them? What price point are they going to pay for your product? Do they want your product? How do you communicate with them either, you know, the right amount of time, not too often, not too little? What do you post on social media that's going to resonate with them? So on and so forth. But my idea, my, my point to this is they knew their market. They knew their market very, very well, and they knew how to reach them. We know how to get them. We know how to find them. Once you do that, you can replicate that as they are with franchisees. Part of it was uh, experiential. Uh, they lived that life. They ate those sandwiches. And part of it, as they moved along, was just listening to their uh, clientele, just refining and pivoting. So part of it experiential, part of it uh, can be uh, really ongoing, asking the right questions of your client. And part of, the, part of this ties in with what you just said, too, which is, you know, what they did, it's not innovative. They didn't create anything. They didn't invent anything. They didn't patent anything. They just took something that already kind of existed. They modified it and made it really, really cool. But not, I think sometimes people think that every new business needs to be 
cutting edge and innovative and there's nothing out there like it. Or you could just say, hey, we know that there's billions and billions of dollars of sandwiches consumed every year. Let's make something different or better or more yeah, unique there, or more is there a, a better version of a business that you see out there that you'd like to uh, uh, launch, create, innovate, and make even better? A better version is sometimes all you need. And Joe, I obviously won't name names, but I think of some of the businesses that we've spoken to or done a little strategy work with or at least had a brief conversation. And... It's almost like they're trying so hard to innovate that they end up with something that nobody wants and they can't and they can't explain. Yeah. Like you can explain fact chat, right? Oh, we take these 12 things, we throw them on a sandwich and we'll deliver it to you at two o'clock in the morning when you really will want something like this. Oh, okay. Or you come for a big lunch and you know on a Friday when you're not working in the afternoon. Oh, I, I get that. Okay? Versus, well, we do this and this and this market and this technology. I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. I don't know about. how many times I've had uh, a, a would-be entrepreneur explain their business model only for me to walk away. And I'm not the, I, I, I am not the smartest, smartest no, guy no, in the room. definitely not. But he starts with the stretch. But, come on, you're not supposed to vehemently agree. Yeah, you know when you are the smartest person in the room? When? When you're sitting in your office by yourself. <laughs> uh, the abuse, the verbal abuse. But, I've walked away from so many conversations, I know you have too, where you go, what the heck is that person doing? Well, respectfully, I don't understand it. Don't understand the or, or Or I understand what you're doing, but I don't understand how to consume it. Because there's 18 different pricing, skew plans, or whatever. It's just some part of it's too hard. Uh, great partnership. It's a yin and a yang. They complement each other. That's great. Um, the culture. They have a culture where you can move up. You could move up to management. You yes. could move up to own a store. Yeah. So what's that do for your employees if they know that their hard work will result in something more than they currently have now? By the way, they love uh, plucking their new franchisees right out of the store. They love that, that organic growth. That someone who has started cleaning tables, moved into the kitchen, moved into management, such a beautiful thing. You, under ask, you, you understand every aspect of the business. You love the business. You know what you're getting into. I'll take I'll take the former you know cook to start his own uh, you know franchise versus the attorney that you know wants to make a quick buck yeah. you know right and, and buy a franchise. So I love what they're doing there. Um, it's never operated a business or has no idea what happens in that business and doesn't want to. To your point, roll up their sleeves get in the kitchen during a busy lunch, whatever it might be. Uh, and then the last thing, I'm reminding myself of this when I say it. There are no shortcuts, okay? I, I mean, you and I sit here all the time. We look for shortcuts, and that's good. You want efficiency. You want to get from point A to point B quicker. You want to scale your business. But if, if, if entrepreneurship was so easy, everyone would do it. If starting, you know, and we, we joke about Fat Shack, but these are very sophisticated operators. And if what they were doing was so easy, well, then there'd be, you know, hundreds of concepts just like that all over. But it's tough. you got to make a great product. you got to hustle. you got to know how to market it. you got to price it right. you got to find the right ingredients. you got to be able to attract and retain great talent. you got to figure out how to frame it. I mean, you look at all these things that these guys have done, and it just takes time. I mean, they, they've been at this for 11 years now, and they've, they've, you know, as you heard, there's some great growth there. But, shit, none of this stuff's easy. I don't, I just, you know, Facebook didn't just blow up overnight. You know, it was a grind for, for a number of years. And so we just all have to remind ourselves as entrepreneurs. 
Yeah, right. absolutely. It, uh, almost no one is an overnight success. And if you are, God help you, because there's going to be what we call come up. And some of the stuff's going to come up that trips you on the back head. Tom and Kevin, great guys. Great guys are kind of guys. Yeah. Uh, near and dear to my heart. Their product is fantastic. Again, guys, call me. I'll, I'll, I'll have the first franchise in Phoenix right here. I'm going to let you come in with your chihuahua. So, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> I, I know what location you're going to pick. What? You're going to find the closest restaurant zone property from your home. <laughs> what's, what's the Four closest minutes. place? Is there a way yeah. I can walk there? Yeah. After having beers at the pool. Yeah. Maybe next to Port, uh, Portillo's. Maybe yeah. right there. Right there. All right. We'll see you next week on an all new episode of Outside the Tank.